Welcome to Australian Hiker, your online hiking resource. We're your hosts, Tim and Jill Savage. This is episode 118 of the Australian Hiker podcast, and this week's episode is titled Zen and the Art of Hiking. Now, there are a number of different reasons why people enjoy hiking. The flora and fauna, the majestic views, the little stuff, the big stuff. And while there might be some common themes that we all tend to enjoy, there's always some unique reasons for each of us, which are likely to be different from each other. In episode 10 of this podcast, we provided a broad overview of some of these reasons. And in this week's episode, we're going to look at some of the more spiritual reasons, for want of a better phrase, uh, behind why we hike. We hope you enjoy. Over the last couple of years, I've had um, cause to think about why uh, or what it is about hiking that I actually like. And this has been prompted for a number of reasons. One, it's because, uh, um, you know, I have plenty of time to think and, and like to think about these things. But it's also been prompted by people making comment on, on blog posts that we've done, particularly on some of the longer trips, about the speed at which we travel. Now, there's a well-known saying that people would be, be familiar with, and that's, it's about the journey, not the destination. And this highlights, uh, it's not where you're going but it's a matter of how you're getting there, what you're learning in the journey itself, building memories. Uh, and, and as part of this, the destination or the end point is just one small component of a particular hike. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, isn't it, when people um, find out what what you do for leisure. And, um, you know, I've gotten into the habit because I think sometimes when people don't have a point of reference uh, around hiking, I've got into the habit of saying, it feels good when I stop. <laughs> that kind of, um, you know, that resonates with them a little bit because sometimes, you know, when they haven't thought about hiking and they certainly haven't thought about uh, hiking over multiple days or mo- multiple weeks, um, there's no point of reference. So so it's a really hard conversation to have with people. And I think it's particularly the case when you are, as Jill said, talking about the multi-week hikes. I think people can cope with trips like the overland track, you know, where you're talking about a five, six, seven-day sort of hike, um, or and, and hikes of that sort of distance. But when you start hiking for one, two, three, you know, four hundred kilometres, a thousand kilometres, people—that's <laughs> just nuts, Tim. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's the general response that you tend to get, and certainly it's the response we've had from some of our family members, and when we do talk about our longer hikes. We've got an upcoming trip uh, in two and a half to three weeks' time on the Human Hovel Track, which is around about 425, 430 kilometres. And one of the comments that people tend to make is, you're walking down the Hume Highway, which is the the highway that's actually named after the Explorer, uh, which just happens to be in the general vicinity. So people tend to have no concept about what we're doing uh, or the fact that uh, you can actually hike for these sort of distances. So, as I said, it, it gave me cause to think about 
what it is that I actually get out of hiking. And, and this is not just talking about the physical fitness or looking at the scenery. It's about probably, and as I said, it, it, there really is only one phrase I can use here, the, the spiritual reasons about why we actually hike. So we looked at this from a, a he said, she said point of view. So I'll throw in my two cents worth and let Jill have her say and see how we come I'll up. I'll put my dollars worth <laughs> in after that. <laughs> so for me, there's two types of hiking that I do. The first is when I hike in a group, and typically it's a group of two, and that's normally with Jill. Uh, and the second is solo hiking. And these are two very different types of hiking, regardless of the distance. Uh, with two very different types of experiences uh, that that they they generate. So talking about hiking as a couple or hiking as as more than one person, um, when I hike with Jill, it it can be just short hikes. It can be single days or multi day or even multi week hikes uh, that we talk about spending time together. When we are hiking together, um, my style of hiking tends to change quite differently. Um, I tend to uh, think about what it is, or I think I tend to think about Jill's comfort and enjoyment. Oh, really? <laughs> Sorry, I must have missed that. <laughs> um, I uh, I tend to think about what it is that she likes, uh, and you know, and if I find things, I'll always be looking for things, not just for my own sake, but finding things to show her as well. And I think we tend to do that. Um, for each other as well. I, when I read your your version of the he said, I just thought, oh, well, you know, that was very sweet. Um, but but it's actually quite true that you do kind of go, oh, look at that, and then you both peer into something and you go, oh, that's interesting, and then you walk on. But uh, otherwise you would have just taken it in yourself and then moved on without commenting yeah. to anyone else. That's usually, that's usually the case. The other thing with sharing a hike with whether it's your partner or your significant other or just a friend, it's the sort of thing you can go back to and talk about days, weeks, months, or even years later. So, you know, we still talk about trips we did 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, we have every so often we'll drag the photo albums out and have a look at them with the photos, and we can actually talk about it. And there's a common frame of reference to to the reasons we were there, and, and it's a shared experience. Um, I think uh, I think the thing is with the uh, the longer hikes as well, um, you get to connect in a deeper way with your partner that that modern life t- tends not to allow. So, one of the comments we had made uh, after our Lara Pinta Trail hike in two thousand and sixteen, um, Jill went to work, and one of her co-workers said. What do you talk about with your husband for for, for, for you know two odd weeks on the trail? Um, yeah, and and it, it really did surprise us. Um, you know that that you, that people have the inability to spend two weeks with somebody, particularly the person that happens to be their partner, um, pretty much twenty four hours a day. Um, Apparently, you run out of things to say. Um, <laughs> That'd never happen. And I and I thought about this in relation to our modern lifestyles. That you know, quite often these days, that a lot of couples tend to have both partners working, or even if one partner's staying at home and the other one's working, uh, there's there's large periods of the day where you're not actually interacting with each other. You come home, you have your meals, you might watch a bit of telly or go out or do something, and then you go to bed. So. Uh, 
as it is, really you're not actually spending a lot of time interacting with each other. Well, what I think what you do is that you you save up a whole lot of transactional things. Oh, I must, you know, I must tell, you know, hubby about X and I must say this and I must say that and I must say something else. And you, I don't think people realise it, but they're not getting into conversations around a broader range of things that may or may not matter, um, but they're different and they're actually quite deep and significant sometimes. And, it, and even to the point of view when they're not, when you just, just ramble and chat. <laughs> um, you ramble. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, certainly when we go on a two-, three-week hikes, uh, we don't spend the entire 24 hours talking. You know, we have periods during the day where we don't talk at all. Uh, we have periods of the day where we do. And there's nothing wrong with having a bit of silence, even though we might be walking with each other. So we don't necessarily have to talk to each other 24 hours. Um, but, you know, just being with each other uh, and being, da- being able to share that experience is something that's actually quite good. The other thing I'd say, and again, this comes back to, we have talked about hiking as a couple in the past, um, but hiking with somebody else, and again, it, it can be a friend without, without necessarily being your, your significant other, is every hiker will have, uh, on a longer trip, they'll have bad days, for want of a better term. Now, days when you're just not feeling right, you might be 100%, you might have blisters, um, it might be raining, and you're just not having a good time. Um, having someone to share that with, um, but also having someone who may not be in a poor mood that you are to, to, to lift, lift your spirits a bit. And I know when we, 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 but we go hiking, it's rare and in fact, I can't even think of a time where we've both had a bad day on the same time. Uh, it's usually one of us will have a poor day, the other one's there sort of trying to g them up. An- annoyingly <laughs> positive and upbeat, and then you flip. It's the other person's turn. <laughs> so it's it's the sort of thing that uh, having that second person there, um, get, you know, that's a bit of a byproduct, I suppose, of having someone there to just to help you along and push you along a bit. So we, we talked about, from my perspective, um, you know, whether is this about the journey or is it about the destination? And certainly when I'm hiking as a couple uh, or as uh, hiking with somebody else, it is about the journey for me. Uh, I'm thinking about what we're seeing. Uh, the destination certainly is there, but it just becomes a small part of, of why we're actually hiking. Now to flip that. The other type of type of hiking uh, that people would be aware that I like is solo hiking. Um, sometimes it's just a short five or six uh, kilometer hike. It might be that Jill uh, Jill's busy uh, on the weekends when we generally go out and do hikes, and I'll go out and just hike by myself on a short hike. Or it might be that we have to do the car swap, and I have to spend, you know, five kilometers walking uphill. Um, <laughs> while you get to walk five kilometres downhill from the other end. Yes, it has happened. <laughs> um, but I think from a point of view of a perspective of solo hiking, I have a very different experience and a different reason for solo hiking. Um, and it tends to be almost a complete 360-degree flip on what I actually get out of the hikes when I'm hiking uh, with Jill as a couple. With my solo experiences, particularly on the longer hikes, um, I think I end up getting a, as I said, it almost becomes a spiritual moment for me. 
and from my perspective, I do go into autopilot mode. Now, what this means is that I'll go through and not, not that I'm not looking after my safety. I'm looking where I'm going. I'm looking where I'm putting my feet, particularly if snakes are, you know, it's snake season. There's likely to be snakes around. I'll be paying, paying very close attention to that. Um, I'm looking to make sure I'm not going off trail and I'm, I'm navigating the way I'm supposed to be. But I've got the ability to do that with just a small component of my brain and then with the rest of it, just... <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I suppose with, with the rest of it, I, I tend to just switch off and tune out and go into my own own head and think deep thoughts. Um, and there's... Um, this is a figure I'd looked at before that depending on which figure you look at, the average human will think somewhere between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. Uh, some of these <laughs> might be just the, oh, I must get bread for on the way home. Uh, others might be, what am I going to have for lunch? Uh, or, you know, what, what do I need to tell my partner at the end of the day? And all those sort of things add up. 12,000 definitely is the lower figure you'll tend to find around the place. Uh, but, you know, that's a lot of thoughts. And I think, again, it's the sort of thing that you're doing this on a day-to-day -day basis without actually interacting with what's going on because you've got work, um, you've got other things that are distracting you, you're watching TV, you're not actually uh, actually um, interacting with those thoughts, they're just happening. It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because now you can see how easy it would be to keep a conversation going for two weeks because those 12,000 thoughts, if you, you're saying it's at the bottom end, um, mostly you're not sharing those with anybody. No, no. So there is certainly plenty of things to, t to think about and talk about. So I, as I said, I find on my, particularly on my longer distance hikes, I'll go through, and I, f I found this has been the case on um, on a couple of occasions where I tend to go through a particular cycle of I'm thinking about, okay, look, I've just finished work and I don't have to go back to work for a few weeks. And then I'm thinking about, okay, what do I need to do at home? And, and how's my job going? And well, what, what am I doing um, next week sort of thing? And I go through a cycle of thinking all these, these thoughts and I tend to get into the really deep and meaningful stuff about why am I here and, and where am I going with my life? Um, <laughs> And and it's it's it is a a pattern I tend to repeat on these sort of things, um, and it and yeah you know, and certainly from uh, last year from my uh, my Bibbleman track hike, it really does make you think about what is going on and what you're actually doing. I think um, it's about what's important, and I think it's about what you value, and sometimes that can be a bit confronting for people because what's around them and what they thought they valued might not actually be. Real? Yeah, and, and that was probably the biggest thing I got out of last year's trip. Five weeks pretty much by myself. There were periods where I, I was talking to people. But, you know, if I look at 35 days of hiking, um, I was probably lucky to talk to uh, people in shops, people on the trail. Uh, it would have probably been added, if you added it up to the amount of time, probably eight hours over that five-week period. The rest of the time I was um, by myself in my own head uh, and thinking about what is it that's important to me. And I came away from that trip um, thinking about uh, that, that, those sort of things. 
And if you read a lot of blogs uh, coming out of the US about the Appalachian Trail and the Pacific Crest Trail, um, and you know, there's a, a standard comment that through hiking wrecks your life because it makes you think about things you typically don't think about in your normal day-to-day life. Um, I know there have been people I've talked to over the last uh, month or so that have started long hikes uh, and withdrawn. And I think it's one of those sort of things that solo hiking is not for everyone. Um, and spending that amount of time by yourself in your own head is a very confronting sort of thing that people typically don't do. Uh, we are we tend to be social animals. Uh, we typically don't spend long periods by ourselves uh, without interacting. So if you're thinking about doing a long distance hike by yourself, uh, I would recommend doing a three or a four or a five day trip just to see how you go with it, uh, because it, it it is a very different uh, creature to uh, hiking with a, another person or hiking with a group. Yeah, and I think that's an interesting thing because for me, h- hiking um, is about sharing. It's about discovery and it's exploring, but it's it's primarily about sharing. So you can discover and you can explore when you're solo hiking, but you're not able to share that with anybody uh, in the moment. You know, it's it's sort of, uh, you know, when we're hiking, it's there are these moments that um, pass when you see something or you try to point something out and, um, you know, Tim might miss it. You're just not there in the minute. And it's it's a bit like, well, there's no point explaining it because you needed to be there. <laughs> you know, it doesn't quite work if you don't see it too. And I, and I think that was the, the thing with me with that Bibble and Track trip from last year. Um, for me, the hike was I, – I thoroughly enjoyed myself. I did have people comment on the blog that I was moving so quickly. How could I be possibly enjoying it? But I was. And, again, it wasn't – that you know, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy the landscape that I was in. Uh, I was just enjoying different aspects that people might, may not have thought about. Um, and I think uh, for me on that trip, it really was about the destination. I had a goal in mind that I wanted to complete the trip. I had a time frame to work with that I knew I was comfortable with completing. Um, and while I, as Jill said, I can't really go back and share that with her. Um, but having said that, when she came over and met me after the trip, we went out and did a short section of the track just to show that this is what one of the shelters was like and this is what the track was like, just to give her some frame of reference. But otherwise, there's, apart from around about 995 kilometres of the track that she didn't share with me. um, And I did feel really bad uh, that... You know, I wasn't standing at the end with the cheer squad uh, (laughs) at that last um, trailhead. It was just like, oh, that would have been terrible for you to pop out of the bush and to check out the um, Coles supermarket car park across the road and it's done. And and, and it was, you know, (laughs) if you watch the the posts uh, um, uh, on Facebook from when I finished that trick, I was very emotional and it was almost a bit of an anti-climax. It's like, this is my life for five weeks. What do I do now? And it was like, okay, I'm, you know, I've, got, I've got another week before I go back to work. But um, it was one of those things where you've achieved a big milestone, a big destination. And as I said, for me, it really was about the destination as much as I enjoyed the track itself. Yeah. 
So for me, uh, it is about a combination of things. And um, I I do focus on the journey and I do focus on uh, what's happening in that moment. And, um, you know, that's why I like hiking with Tim because I can share that. Um, and I've said, you know, just previously that the moment passes and it doesn't make sense to share it when it passes. You know, sometimes they're quite small and quite insignificant in the scheme of things. Um, and then to tell a story about this really, really small, silly thing um, probably isn't quite the same. So for me, it is about being in the moment and about exploring and discovering and and just uh, absorbing. I, I, I do like to absorb the the feel of the um, environment. Uh, and that's good when things are going well. Um, when things are not so well, I I would then tend to focus a little bit on the next milestone, the next camp, the next uh, kind of break. Um, and there are a whole range of reasons why things might not go so well. Um, sometimes when there's a tough part of the trail or you're just not feeling up to it and, you know, you've got to keep going. And um, um, so, you know, I've, I've, um, I've discovered that uh, I'm a mid a midpoint person. Um, I'm a hump day person. <laughs> Once I get over the hump day, uh, I am much more about the journey. The first part of a of um, a hike, uh, the first half, it's a combination of the journey and the destination. And I play from, you know, pivot from one point to another and a whole bunch of different things in between. Um, and Tim knows all too well when it's, you know, not a good day. Um, uh, I might even swear a little bit. Um, there's definitely a look he gets that says this is not a good day and I'm focusing on the next destination or the next break or the next campsite or whatever it might be uh, just to get through. So from, from Jill's perspective, Jill's not really into solo hiking. Um... No, I'm not. I know that. <laughs> I'm not. And I think it is because I, I do I do see things and I want to share those things and I want to talk about those things. Um, and, you know, when, they, when they're past and sometimes there's this sort of, you know, uh, second in time and uh, when they're past, it's gone. To wrap all this up, I suppose we, we, we introduced this about, um, we talked about Zen and the art of hiking, and, and it really, as we said for us, is, is it about the journey or is it about the destination? Um, and it, there's, there's no right answer here. Um, it may be that for an individual, that one hike is about the journey and the next day it's about the destination. Uh, it may be that you have a particular style of hiking and you really don't care what you're seeing. You're just focused on walking in the distances and thinking um, and, and you just happen to be in a really nice environment to do it in. Uh, so there's, there is no right and wrong answer through here. Um, so I think the next time um, you're out exploring, get in touch with how you like to experience the outdoors um, and if that's what you're into, surround yourself with like-minded people. Uh, and as I said, for me, 
I'm not a group hiker, and there's a number of reasons for that. I prefer to hike either solo or with Jill. Um, I tend to, and it's just who I am, I just tend to feel like when I'm in a big group, whether I'm leading a hike or not, I just feel responsible. Uh, and I think it goes, yeah, and I think it goes a bit beyond your style as well. Um, so Lucy Barnard recently posted something on Facebook about um, how a friend came to uh, hike with her. So if you check out Tangles and Tail, there's a there's an interesting video, and she's very frank um, uh, about it because her she's in a rhythm now. So you know you might recall that she's walking from the bottom of South America through to um, the Arctic Circle. Well, pretty much at the top top of North America. So we pretty much get. We, I don't think it's quite getting to the Arctic Circle, but it's it's getting it's pretty, pretty close. close. Yeah. Pretty close. So she's in a rhythm now of how she does that, how she gets organised, how she, you know, uh, the the distances she travels, uh, what she looks at, what she uh, focuses on, and all of that sort of stuff. And uh, she she's she's talking about how a friend um, came to support her and came to. Uh, walk with her and um, she found it really really difficult Um, she says partly because she was a bit bossy Um, you know I think it's because she's found her rhythm and she's found her 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 style and um, you know somebody else coming into that space uh, you know didn't match they hadn't had the distance they hadn't had the experiences so you know if they were going to continue on uh, walking together, that other person would have needed to modify their style, and Lucy also would have needed to modify her style, um, so they would make it work. And I think that's a really important thing that perhaps we don't really think about. Um, and when you're hiking with somebody that you you know well, um, and you've done quite a lot of hiking with them, you you, you take a bit of this stuff for granted, I think, as well. Um, and it just works. But when you're hiking with someone new, you really do need to think about your style, their style, what's important for you, what's important for them. And it's not that you have to compromise or trade anything off. You just need to be clear of what's important and get that too. Okay, so I hope this has provided a, a bit of an overview of about you know, reasons for hiking that are more in the spiritual realm rather than the I like looking at the pretty flowers or the or the wildlife. But that's part of the spiritual part too, Tim. It is. <laughs> So we haven't actually done hiking news for a while, and there was a couple of things that have come up over the last uh, couple of months that I thought were quite interesting uh, that I would actually talk about. And I'll put some uh, some links to these things uh, in the show notes because they're quite interesting. And there was one I came across earlier today, um, and it was only from the weekend is gone. Uh, and this was on the uh, one of the the, the news uh, online news uh, services, and this is out of the United States. And the, the title of it was Woman's Fake Instagram Hiking Photo Goes Viral After Her Sister Exposes Her. Uh, and there's this lovely photo or couple of photos of 
this young, attractive female. Uh, she's got a bottle of water. She looks like she's about to go walking on a track. Uh, and um, she had a friend or a boyfriend filming her. Uh, and then in the background, her sister's filming her from what actually turns out to be her backyard. Uh, and her sister's doing all this filming right on the edge of their yard. And she wasn't really going hiking. Uh, she was just posting photos to look like she was going hiking. Um, <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So, as it, long as we know. <laughs> so, I think that's the thing. I mean, you know, you see some lot of, you see some really amazing photos on, on social media. Uh, and in most cases, they are natural photos. Some cases, they are very staged. Uh, and in this case here, this was a very staged photo to say, hey, I'm just going on a hike, uh, when she, all she was doing was posing in the backyard. Must be a pretty impressive backyard, though. Well, it was. It looked pretty good. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, the, as we said, the, uh, the the tweet went viral. Uh, it's received 275,000 likes and 40,000 retweets, which is pretty amazing, uh, where, as her sister uh, dobs in her, 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 her sibling to say, uh, look, my sister's faking this. It's not real. And I think that's the thing with the, with Instagram. Uh, Instagram has had some changes over the last uh, month in Australia. Uh, the likes have now been removed, so you can't tell how popular a a um, uh, an Instagram image is uh, unless you happen to be the owner of that site. Um, so you're not you're not posting photos to see if you can get the maximum number of likes because no one's really going to notice. The other news item that's worthwhile mentioning, which we did talk about in our uh, uh, email newsletter, which we send out once a month, uh, was the number of people who got caught out in a recent period of snow in Tasmania. Now, if you have hiked the Overland Track or a number of other hikes uh, within Tasmania, you may or may not be aware that snow is possible Pretty much twelve months of the year. There's, uh, you know, if you're in an inland mountainous sort of hike, snow is a real potential. Um, so, this time of the year, when you're going hiking on the overland track in June or early July, you really should expect snow. It's something that does happen. And there were people who got caught out uh, doing the overland track. Now, in all fairness, some of them did say they expected snow and were prepared for snow, but the snow was so heavy and extreme, thick, extreme yeah. they weren't prepared for that. Uh, and I have had friends who have hiked the the, uh, the overland track in wintertime before and been snowed into a cabin for three days and ha- having to wade out in waist-depth snow because they weren't going to have enough food to last them. Uh, so it's the sort of thing that um, you really do need to be aware of what the extremes can be and however unlikely it is that they're going to occur, you do need to plan for them. We've had a pretty severe uh, winter uh, in Australia and snow just recently um, up and down the east coast of Australia, including in Queensland for you know, uh, who would have thought that? But anyway, I guess it happens every now and then. So yeah, it's it's the sort of thing that uh, it's it's not that common that people do get caught out, but it does happen and can happen, and you do need to plan for that if you are looking at doing uh, a what what is classed as an out of season hike. 
Uh, all kudos goes to the search and rescue people who managed to get all these people out. And Tassie Police, uh, and they Tassie do a big Police. job too. They, yeah, and they, they do a really good job, but that is resources that are tied up doing these sort of things. Uh, and, and we were just lucky in this circumstance where people did survive, uh, where there could have been some fatalities um, had uh, they had not done the, the basic planning and let people know where they were going. So, uh, again, it is something to consider when you are going for these, these hikes where uh, the conditions can, get, can turn very sour on you very quickly. Okay, we hope you've enjoyed this episode. Um, we have a couple of episodes coming up just prior to we start our human hovel track hike. Um, the order I'm not quite sure of. I have an interview that I'm recording over the next four to five days, which may end up being next week. So, uh, <laughs> it's um, all a bit of a mystery it, at it this is. minute. <laughs> it is. Uh, and then I have another one, which I know what the topic is. I'll see how it's going when I record this interview. I've got some really good interviews lined up over the next few months, uh, but it's it's just a matter of when I can get to talk to people uh, and when people uh, uh, have access to phones and also uh, a data signal to be able to record interviews online. So uh, keep an eye out for those. As always, you can listen to this episode on the Australian Hiker website at www.australianhiker.com.au on Apple Podcasts, on Podbean and Spotify. If you have the opportunity, please go through and give us a five-star rating on your uh, listening service of choice uh, and we'll read those out on the, uh, on the, the, the podcasts um, on, on a regular basis. That's all for me. Bye for now. And bye from me.